0: Later in our service of worship, an invitation will be extended to all of you to come forward and receive the sacrament of Holy Communion. Some of you will come forward with great anticipation, and others of you will choose to come forward and instead of receiving the sacrament, receive a blessing, allowing Lee or me to place our hands on your shoulders to touch you and to ask God to fill you with a sense of God's presence and power and peace. When I visit someone in the hospital or at home, I rarely depart without taking someone's hand and touching them, as I pray for God to restore their body into health. I did not realize the importance of touch until the privilege of touching someone started to come with a warning in the spring of 2020. It was the very time or chapter that one of our longtime beloved members may have actually needed to have touch, company, a prayer more than any other time in her life. While I went months without seeing most of you in 2020, a week rarely went by during that season when I didn't see Jerry and Mary Lou, a couple who met at our church when they were young adults, and went on to enjoy nearly seven decades of marriage. If our doors were open, they were here. If it was your birthday, you may have received a card from them before even your parents. If you were in the hospital, they would visit you. Mary Lou's health started to rapidly decline toward the start of 2020. She was eventually placed under the care of hospice. It was a decision that led to a guest bedroom in their home being completely transformed as the hospital bed became the centerpiece and the walls were completely covered with cards from you and artwork created by many of our children. And it is in this space where we both learned how quickly life can change. How quickly we can be completely transported into strange, unfamiliar territory. Mary Lou was coming to terms with a body that no longer allowed her to do everything she once loved to do, as she knew that her days on this earth were also becoming extremely limited. And I was coming to terms with the warnings that accompanied every visit. Advice that prevented me from touching her hands whenever we prayed and visiting her in the hospital when her body could no longer be cared for at home. Little was routine, let alone comfortable. And every exchange had the power to fill me with grief, as I longed for nothing more than to return to normal, to return to the place where we all were before pandemic began. What moments from these last three years have left an impact on you as they produced a pain that was accompanied by a yearning desire to exchange the unknown for the known, the unfamiliarity for the familiar, the chaos for calm. While our streets and sidewalks became eerily quiet in downtown Washington in 2020, chaos and confusion completely took over our bodies, our lives, our routines. And it was also chaos that our faith could not always make sense of as so many times God seemed to be incredibly and loudly absent instead of close and present. The Israelites for whom Genesis 1 was penned some six centuries before the birth of Christ know a thing or two about life being disrupted and disordered. They've not only lost their sense of freedom as well as their routine, but they've also been completely displaced from their homes, taken in Jerusalem and transported some 500 miles away to Babylon, where they're living in captivity. The Israelites have not only been forced out of their place of worship, their place of worship, the temple, has been completely destroyed. It is no surprise, then, that life in exile has produced a temptation to instead go along and trust the gods of Babylonia, those who seem to control both their present as well as their future reality, instead of trusting God to one day make a way for them to be able to return back home, the one who penned today's poetry, today's prose, knows this community, doesn't exactly need to understand how creation came into existence. Whether or not God literally worked for six days, 24-hour periods, before resting on the seventh day. They did not need a doctrine to justify whether God created out of nothing, a theological term that we refer to as ex nihilo, or whether God instead had a few materials with which to begin, creating, as verse 2 implies, when it names how the earth was a formless void. The displaced people living in exile instead needed to hear how God was present. And God still had the power to create order out of chaos. In the beginning, in the beginning, when the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the earth, a wind from God, the Ruach, God's very breath, swept across the face of waters. God's spirit entered into the chaos. God spoke, and out of the darkness, out of the chaos, came order. Not the kind of order imposed by a sharp-edged grid used to cut brownies into uniform, perfect squares. But beautiful, harmonious, free life. While the Israelites appear to have been abandoned by God, the writer of the text longs for them to keep on hearing God say, it is good. They might be living in a world that has been seemingly turned upside down, but the God who created the world continues to watch over all of creation, bringing life into well-being. Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann describes this text as a theological and pastoral statement addressed to a real historical problem. The main point of the text is to convey how God can be trusted. God can be trusted. Despite what is happening around us, whether it is sickness, poverty, unemployment, loneliness, That is every human experience of abandonment. God is with us when life seems to be going along as we planned and when life seems to be falling apart at the seams. God is present when prayers are being answered and when our prayers are seemingly falling on deaf ears. God is with us in the order. And God is especially with us in the chaos. And while every living thing is a source of goodness and delight, utter, sheer delight for God, God enjoys a special relationship with humanity. Genesis describes eight creative acts But humans are the only part of creation that God directly addresses. And then God allows God's self to be imagined in us. We're created to disclose something about the character and the nature of God. We're created to disclose something about God's love. Walter Brueggemann describes how God is known peculiarly through the creature who exists in the realm of free history, where power is received, decisions are made, and commitments are honored. God is not imaged in anything fixed, but in the freedom of human persons to be both faithful and gracious. So part of how we then exercise God's imparting of dominion into us is how we care for creation. We're not to exploit it for our use, but we're to embody the ways of God. As Christians, we follow the example of Jesus as we embody a servant ministry, Jesus didn't turn his head whenever he saw people in pain, but he showed up to be present in their surf suffering. He did not turn people away, but instead chose, actively chose to eat with those that the religious institution deemed unworthy. He didn't shy away from any chaos, chaos produced by an individual's less-than-ideal choices or societal injustice, but instead showed up and said, I see you, I forgive you, I love you. You can start all over again. Or I have come so that you might have life, and life abundant, before making a way for that very life, that beautiful, harmonious life, to become reality. Similarly, We seek to show up in the deep waters of life. How we recognize just how often God shows up through us. The liturgy of creation then continues not with more activity, but it concludes with rest. The gods of Babylon were known for their anxious attempts to protect their power, but God embodies a stance that reveals how God's control, God's power, can never, ever be removed. Sabbath rest is a statement that all of the world is safely in God's hands. And how we practice Sabbath rest continues to reveal just how much we believe this statement to be true, as we place our trust in God's promises, in God's activities, instead of in our busyness or in our labor. Sabbath is also a powerful act of resistance one that offers a revolutionary equality that refuses to exploit anyone, as it enables all people to rest. Beloveds, I do not presume to know the sources of chaos in your lives. any of the dark waters that you may be wading through. The depth of despair you may be feeling about a relationship, a job, a situation. The places where you may feel like you are barely, barely hanging on. But I do believe, with every part of my being, that God continues to hover over our deep waters. That God continues to breathe God's very spirit into our chaos, into our sadness, into our grief, into our despair, in a way that longs for us to remember how we are truly never ever alone, and while I can quickly describe for you the places in my life that are filled with acute pain, I can testify even louder about God's goodness, a goodness that continues to come chasing after me. And while it may be tempting to believe that we are all alone, I instead continue to hear the voice of Jesus say, Do not be afraid, for I am with you. And I hear this voice the most whenever people will seek to walk with me, embodying God's all-encompassing, never-ending love, especially through the moments of chaos and pain. And so may God, who created all of life, remind us of its goodness. May Jesus continue to be the very example for us of how we exercise the dominion, the power that we have been given. And may the Spirit continue to breathe harmony. Harmony and new, glorious life. Wherever there is chaos. May it be so. Amen.